you know what? gnarly dudes. <laughs> well, we agreed to culture, not necessarily the language that was very uninspired and horrific. <laughs> What's up, 80s people? What's up, 80s people? Um, welcome to Lovely Chaotic, Season 2, Episode 33. And I think Urkel was the 90s, right? Did, did yeah, Urkel was the 90s, yeah. Urkel was sure. the 90s, for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, shit, it's so funny that we decided to talk about 80s culture this week. Two things happened to me that was kind of weird. One. You're I'm not even going to let me finish the, the no, hello. No, no, no. Hold on. This is funnier. Um, um, so hello, welcome funny. to episode 33. Go. <laughs> so have you ever gotten what you call the I can't sleeps? Like you're just, you're just lying there in bed and you're like. Everybody yeah. else is asleep around you, and you just fucking hate everybody because they're sleeping and you're not, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm tossing and turning. I got the I can't sleeps. So, of course, I got to go to, you know, I got to go doom scroll YouTube. I got to go, okay, let's see what's going on in the YouTube verse that, that, that will help me fall asleep, which is ironic because all it does is piss you off and keep you awake. But, you know. Yeah. Eventually, totally. you're so beat down, you fall asleep, and there you have it. You fall asleep, right? So I, I, I do the same thing quite often, um, and I, I hate myself for it. <laughs> I have to take a shower afterwards. <laughs> um, so I start doom scrolling malls that are closing. Ah, and there's a whole series of people out there that travel the country and do these like little 10 15 minute bits about all these famous malls that are closing. And it was so ironic because I like, oh, I, I know that mall. I remember that mall. And I'm like, uh-oh, I, I, I'm I'm suckling at the nostalgia nipple, and I'm not sure I should be doing that, you know? <laughs> so I was like, I was like well, let me ask 80s, you a question, though. It's an 80s culture conversation. Yeah, totally. You know what well, I mean? Let's like, start out at the mall. You want to go to the mall, bro? No, that's where the so fucking let me ask you, was. Let me ask you a question, though. Uh, I mean, I remember... Well, first, let me ask you a question. Uh-oh, here it comes. Other than your own local mall, is it is it a specific mall? Like, I can't name another mall, maybe, except for, like, you know, the... Uh, the uh, oh, there's iconic it? malls, man. Well, there's the Mall of America in Minneapolis. What's the one? Uh, the Grove. I mean... Um, so but like, I, re I remember the most famous mall ever of ever, ever. Which, which is that? Puente Hills Mall. It See, I've is, never heard of it. You know why it's the most famous mall ever? Why? It's where they filmed Back to the Future. Oh, Twin Pines. Yeah. See, I didn't know it's that. an actual mall. It, you know, okay. it's it's currently in the process of dying. It's 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 probably already a corpse. Well, they're all I'd seen, dying. I'd seen the video of the corpse mall. You know. But, you but know, I guess I guess was, my question, like I yeah. can't name any other mall than my local Fox Valley Mall in Aurora, Illinois, where we hung out. Yeah, but what are there like free people in Illinois? I mean, that kind of makes sense, dude. There's at least eight malls within twelve miles of where I used to live. See, for me, it's more of you know the. It didn't matter what the mall is; they're all pretty much the damn same. It was the experience, uh, yeah. like so. I remember like Walden. Was the quality of the Orange Julius? It was the uh, tinderboxes of the hot dog on a stick crew. You remember? You, know, the, you remember? So I remember the Walden books. We used to go there for yeah, Dini books. books. Yep, yep. I remember Tinderbox, that. which was well, a smoke shop, but yeah, they had well, all Walden books. Of cool... Is where I used to get all my D and D books sometimes because yeah, they go same. on sale for virtually nothing. Same Tinderbox, which was a smoke shop, had all kinds of cool like pewter chess sets and, and then it became a hookup dating app. 
That's right. Dropbox is just Tinder. That's right. <laughs> um, what else? Babbage's was a computer computer store we had out here. Oh, Babbage's. Uh, oh, oh Gary, God. thank you for joining us. Dixie Square Mall, the one they trash for the Blues bro. <laughs> I, I don't remember that mall, but it makes sense that it was in the group. Brews Buffett. The Brew Brothers. Gary, where else did we hang out? Uh, Babbage's, Walden Books, um, Tinderbox. um, I forgot where else we we used to go. But but yeah, that's so funny that you you brought that up. That is like, what what could be more 80s than the mall? And what really shocked me, the other part that shocked me, is this particular episode of this guy's show I was watching. I can't even remember the name of his show. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called the East Vale Fox Mall or something in in Philadelphia, I think. Okay. Um, and I'm, I hope I'm not getting that wrong. But he was wandering through this mall. They had sunk $77 million in it right before COVID. So it's, it's an unfinished project. Wow. So it's all super clean and really nice. But it's dead. I mean, it's officially shuttering, I think, at the end of this year is what he was saying. So it's like, you know, I it, when we start talking about our 80s theme and our 80s culture that kind of like our, our, our arcade culture, our first run at these very rudimentary, you know, console culture related to 80s culture. And then, of course, the, you know, watching E.T. and mainstreaming D&D for the first time in the 80s through a very... Yeah you know, popular um, uh, a movie, mm-hmm. uh, I began to realize that my fascination with Star Wars, Star Trek, and all the 80s culture things really were a derivative of my fascination with playing, you know, tabletop role games. You know, totally. everything. Absolutely. It everything that I did was of that Make-believe and that fantasy. Absolutely. I, the 80s wasn't, well, malls were No, I'm saying the make-believe fantasy, believe and fantasy but, of, of tabletop role-playing games mm. you know we played gangbusters and yep. you know and we, we'd have the some boot hill yeah boot hill um, um i think zombies really epitomize 80s culture i think they really got going in the 80s but they didn't well, mainstream see, i'm gonna until, disagree with you oh you don't know good zombies till you watch really shitty 80s zombies movies man well yeah we i i don't think zombies <laughs> was very it was very mainstream back then i'd say well not vampires. mainstream i just i think 80s culture really gave it uh a little bit more animus you know sure um, sure a little bit more i would say um, i would say um vampires maybe more so with lost boys yeah well yeah lost boys popularity i think really helped yeah. the whole um Vampire the Masquerade and uh, yeah, Werewolf yeah. and all that was, I think, was was definitely benefiting from that whole sequence of events. Yeah. Again, I I think '80s culture is definitely the first kind of environment where a lot of things got tied together because a lot of people in business were experimenting with the idea of linking all those things together uh-huh. and see and and see if they could make money at it. And yeah. boy, howdy, when they made ET proof that they can make money at anything like they literally built a video game called et that was so bad you couldn't win it and everybody knew it who developed i remember it. that game it was but everybody atrocious. bought it when it first came out but as I soon know. as word got out about how shitty it was yeah there's still you know turning <clears throat> landfill piles and i think the most famous story 
they found 20,000 copies rotting in a landfill down in Texas somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's so funny. So funny. I, I, I remember, you know, it's funny that you also um, brought up uh, uh, arcades because we were just talking about Gary and I and, and, and Matt, Jeff, and one of our other guys, one of our other D&D guys. We're just talking about it on our on our Slack channel today yeah. of uh it was ours was called galaxy world and it was a bowling alley slash huge arcade and i remember you know all the old classics tempest and centipede and the sit down x-wing vector graphics game and tron yeah. and uh defender uh robotron all that shit and then you know it, it's it's cool to see how like dragon's lair pops into my mind yeah right Remember how groundbreaking that was? Even though as a as a game, it sucked to watch somebody play. To watch it was, it was amazing, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gauntlet and, was one of our favorites. You remember? Yeah, Gauntlet? Gauntlet was a good one. I like Gauntlet yeah. a lot. Yeah. What was also interesting, I distinctly remember Saturdays. They finally um, Galaga. Yep, that's Galaga. Good one. Yep. Um, I finally distinctly remember on Saturday. They started showing an arcade competition game where these kids would play arcade games as a competition. The show was only a half hour. Oh my God. It was esports fucking 30 years ago. Yeah. 40 really years was. ago. And Holy I, shit. I'll have to look that up because I used to save recordings of audio recordings wow. of it because I like to listen to the commentary about the games. It was a horrible show. I mean, yeah, but somebody was way ahead of their time. That's crazy. That is really nuts. This is this whole show, by the way, tonight is is nobody's going to give a shit about it except for you and me, and maybe like three other people who are probably who are here in. <laughs> and it's really just going to be a walk down memory lane. We're not going to actually review any games, right? Although, uh, I'm sure you remember this one, Starcade. It was called Starcade. Okay, start. And it, it came out in the 80s. And oh my God, I've yeah, actually met the host of this um, years ago. Um, and I cannot for the life of me. Oh, let me. Let what me, was let the me dance show? That reminds me of Starcade. That reminds me of the dance show that was. Oh, Golden Something? Golden yeah, dancers or or something way the hell back then. I was almost gonna say golden showers, but that feels inappropriate. <laughs> no, that was on that was on uh, the scrambled HBO channels. Uh, you remember yeah, this game? Yeah, so Starcade was an '80s okay, show uh, that pitted contestants here, against each other in timed arcade game competition. Um, came out. It was canceled in '84. It was created by James Caruso and Mavis E. Marther. Oh. Um, Jesus oh God, Christ. what was the name of the dude that hosted it? Because he was semi-famous game host. Um, but the reason why I loved it is their very first game they played um, on there was Super Zaxxon. Oh, and, God, yeah. And uh, and Burger. Solid Gold. That's Solid Gold. Thank you, Gary. Yeah. Solid Gold. The Solid yeah. Gold Dancers. That's that was pretty awful. It's funny. Yeah. It's it's interesting to look back on our '80s, you know, origins. But to be honest with you, it's like comparing the times of. Are you okay with getting cholera, or do you like modern? 
medicine. I'm like, I love modern medicine. So I'm okay with the 80s being in the past. <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with the 80s. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, there's nostalgia I mean, and then there's visiting your past. I'm yeah. just visiting my past today. I do not believe in the nostalgia disease for me at all. Oh, see, old. nostalgia is big for me, but you you are uh, right. Because uh, you can, you can, it can I don't know. Nostalgia is something very comforting for for most people, but I I think it works both ways. I think it can also make you very depressed because you you pine for those old days in, in yeah, lost of in your head. So uh, you know, you you calling it nostalgia disease? Uh, um, I'm not actually. Well, I, that's that not on. new. That's not a new thought. I mean, there were I've never heard Yeah. There were actual psychologists in the 50s, 60s, 70s that would diagnose people with nostalgia. And they wow. referred to nostalgia as a type of mental illness. No shit. Yeah, it, it was a real thing back in the day. Absolutely. Um, and then when it was realized, um, no, don't ignore the leg warmers. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that's all she's wearing, if that's oh, all well, she or he is wearing, then we go for it. We can't get into fashion, uh, otherwise we'll be here all night. Um, breaking out of the arcade, you remember You remember this one? Just kind of to kind of yes. stay on topic a little bit. We really have no set path for the discussion tonight. I just... found this at a garage sale about a year and a half ago. Uh, it's on eBay for like 45 bucks. Yeah, yeah. No, I found it. Um, I I, I, I used to play this game all the time. Like I used to play Dark I had, Tower solo and I would pull I this game this out one. and play it like all the time. I yeah. remember owning this one. You remember this one? I remember owning this too. That remember? one I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I had that. It was this, it was, I mean, as you can see, it was like three buttons, and it was this yeah. just horrendous little LCD uh, uh, display. And I'm guessing it was a, a dungeon that you went through? Yeah, it was like, it's, I mean, it was that, literally that like, do you move or do you shoot? Oh, you right, fall right. in a pit and die. <laughs> <laughs> fall pit, everybody dies. Yeah. Basically. That's funny. Um, oh. Yeah, and it's really interesting because, like, I can remember being, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old and getting the groups together for D&D, you know. Yeah. And yep. as much as I enjoyed the D&D game itself, it was interesting, all the little cultural things around us that we did yeah. in the process of getting ready to play that D&D game. You know, the food culture, the you know, the, the kind of entertainment culture that was influencing us and, and, and all the things around us that we, sometimes we didn't even really care all that much about, but because yeah. it was part of our world, yeah, it somehow would sometimes bleed into our D and D games. Yeah. You know, like I, I was convinced that all heroes were captain Kirk, right. That was just, you know, that was just, that was like the, the model citizen that i thought you were supposed to build in your worlds right that early you know generation of playing DD where everybody's heroes there weren't anything i mean some people were starting to dabble with dark sun but dark sun came out late 80s early 90s late 70s early 80s we were all kind of very tropey in our understanding oh. of you know and we were surrounded by media culture of the 80s well, to kind of reinforce that trope I think ne back then it wasn't tropey. Back then it was it was just the evolution of of how that. Oh, I just don't think they grow. knew that that's what tropey meant yet. 
Exactly. Right. That's yeah. my point. Now it's yeah. trophy as hell. Back then, yeah. it was, that was the purpose of the game. You're right. I mean, these are heroes. You're not a bad guy. You know, blah, blah, you're not blah, an blah. anti-hero. Run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we used to. So we I mean, we used to sleep over, all sleep over at my buddy's house, like almost every weekend and play. Uh, that's how big of a nerd I really am. Um, play role playing games. Um, and then we had, I mean. And, and, you know, we've talked about some of the games we played back back then. It was obviously d d It was Battletech. It was um, uh, Shadowrun. Shadowrun. It was uh, we played Marvel superheroes. We played a little bit of Torg. We played. Um, I don't know. I think I think we played Gamma World. We played. I mean, it was just just everything. We tried everything. And it's funny because champions that's that one you're right thank you um champions gurps um car we wars were, yeah we were playing indiana jones we were playing gangbusters star frontiers yeah um we were playing um you know anything that could be turned into a a, a role-playing game or a ttrpg we we're playing it um yep Top I had discovered top secret. Yeah, top like secret. Yep, that yeah. was, that one was a lot of fun. Um, yep, you know, but we hadn't really discovered um, the overpriced world of tabletop war games, right? Uh, BattleTech. BattleTech was the closest. Yeah, but that was affordable. Got. That wasn't uh, that was that was still very affordable to play. It wasn't too crazy. Um, so we had, I hadn't discovered Warhammer yet, even though it'd been around for a while. Um, I hadn't really discovered 40k because that was all running through the Citadel project as well as the yeah. um, the Rogue Trooper tournament or whatever they used to run. The Rogue Trader, yeah. Rogue Trader. I still have the original Rogue Trader rule book. It's actually titled Rogue Trader. With That's crazy. 40, it's nutters. But we our first introduction to the idea of just how grandiose you could make your D and D game was the D and D battle system. That came out in the late eighties um, when they. I never. I'm. I'm not familiar with that. I, I have know. a. I have a intact copy of it over there on my on my library shelf. Really? Yeah. It was. It came out with a giant foam castle. So like this uh, four tower keep, um, you know, and it came with a rule book, and it was called Battle System, um, uh, <laughs> um, and it was. Wow, Gary, you, know, you actually win tonight for first in chat. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, uh, the the D&D battle system. That was my first introduction to the idea of these grandiose battles. And I think it was because I was reading a lot of Dragonlance at the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, and Dragonlance, Dragonlance always did a really good job of these like major battles and this idea of this great war waging across this backdrop of you know the adventurers you know helping Rasslin find Rasslin had his subquest you know and the 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 uh, barbarian and the uh she was a cleric but maybe I can't remember her name Castlehoff was the rogue yeah yeah and but they were helping her get the discs of a god to her people so that she could help bring the gods back to Kryn. And, you know, eventually they were going to, you know, finally forge the famous dragon lance. That's the only, yeah, gold moon, Um, you know, and 
finally forge the ancient dragon lances that could kill dragons in a single blow. You know, I just had a good idea because we should just hire Gary as our producer. <laughs> yeah. Gary, I need, stumped, I need like, 200 oh. reference points. Stat. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I, I barely remember. I mean, I remember the feeling of reading the Dragonlance books and, and the overall kind of story, but I, I don't remember any of the details. It was so long ago. I need to reread them. Actually. The Forgotten Realms books were very influential on me. I spent yeah. a lot of time reading the Spellfire series and a lot of those uh, Forgotten Realms series books that really did inspire a lot of the game content that I was trying to write and do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, did you... Go ahead. But, no, no, no. I want you to finish. I, I, I built a famous ranger out of MacGyver. So it felt like a good transition for, for an NPC character. So I took a ranger that just had this knack for building anything he wanted to make, to make things work. Um, and I built it along the idea of MacGyver because MacGyver was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was a stupid show because none of the science was accurate, but <laughs> it, it was, it was fun idea. You know, it was a fun idea to think that maybe just maybe, yeah, you know, that you could be that clever. It's a cool, that's a cool idea. You know, it's funny because I think, <laughs> I think all through the eighties and I'm not joking. I played a ranger. <laughs> I was just fixated on the Aragorn stereotype of the mysterious guy in the corner. Or, you know. or, or, uh, uh, Tannis or Tannis, Tannis, half from, Tannis half yeah, the, yeah. from, uh, from the Dragonlance, you know, yeah. there, there was, you're right. Aragorn was the other one. Pretty much for me, it was Aragorn. I mean, Gary remembers, um, I never wanted to play a spellcaster because they were too squishy and I hated them. And I never wanted to be the upfront melee guy. It was always the sneaky guy with the bow. Um, yeah, for a, a decade, I played a ranger. <laughs> so that was the other thing that happened while I was on the YouTubes last night. I saw a trailer for a movie that, um, what's his name is going to be in. He was in, who's the actor in Barbie? What's his name? No, Ryan Gosling. Uh, Ryan Gosling. He's doing the fall guy. I just saw that. I yes. think you talk about a blast for the past. And we used to. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was true. I'm that, not going in there. Into anywhere. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. didn't have cantrips back then. Yeah. That was always kind of weird. Maybe too. that was also kind of wise because it's like, oh, great. I cast five spells and I'm useless. That was probably. Yeah, it was, it was back then. Yeah. And but yeah, the Fall Guy now, TV show. Now, what I just as an, a slight aside, no yeah. matter what class I play, it's got to have some magic in it. Or I'm yes. Well, um, and I think they did that on purpose because. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Fall, I saw that uh, Fall Guy reboot. The yeah. uh, brown, uh, I think it was a, a GMC Sierra pickup truck, if I remember right? correctly, from back then. Yeah, and, I fucking love that show. And and Lee Majors. Well, and it just reminded me of how, you know, um, I would, once again, I'd use these shows as, as vantage points into making my home brews sometimes because I knew people like me were watching it. Yep. And so if I made it interesting, maybe they, you know, keep playing all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think some of the movies, uh, Heather Thomas. Thomas. <sighs> Talk about the perfect <laughs> hair. There was only one other person that had better hair than her. And that was, uh, uh Farrah Fawcett. Oh yeah, but she was more of a '70s product. Yeah, um, but she had the hair, man. I think for us, 
it wasn't so much I'm, I'm sure inadvertently um uh the you know movies and tvs that we watch movies and tv that we watched um Shatner. <laughs> uh tj hooker and yeah, uh, adrian zamed William Shatner and Adrian Zmed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for us, it was movies for us, uh, and Gary, correct me if I'm wrong, movies for us kind of more dictated what we played at the time. You know, like something comes out that is sci-fi, and then we move over to Battletech, and just kind of we're in that mode. Um, you know, a new fantasy comes out, we go back to D&D, you know, that type of thing. Um, yeah. But disaster movies in the '80s were a thing. Remember that all oh, yeah. nineteen like earthquake, which I think was yep. late '70s, early '80s. Yep. Uh, uh, you remember Poseidon Adventure? That was late '70s. But uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. John, John after James Bond. We started Top Secret. We're like, oh, that's we're exactly why we started playing Top Secret too. Was all the James yep. Bond stuff was so much fun. Yep. Oh shit, man, that's funny. <laughs> Battletech. Oh man, that would be awesome. Towering Inferno. Yes. Um. Yeah, BattleTech. Uh, I'm still waiting for the fucking 40k live action movie. I have the animated one. Um, I st I still have this love hate relationship with 40k. You do. I saw your post on Instagram. I was like, oh, that's oh, of funny. all my of all my destroyed fucking paints right here, hundreds of dollars of of paint that's fucking useless, and every Vallejo, uh, rant cam on every one of my. I haven't painted in months. <laughs> Every one of these fucking tubes is still good. 90% of these pieces of shit fucking things are, are garbage. Because they're really, all dried out? Yeah, I'm really upset because I finally, last night, got the urge to paint minis again. And I'm going through my paints. I'm like, this is a fucking mess. It's ridiculous. So, anyway. But, um, oh, yeah. Ooh, Towering Inferno was a fun one. I really liked that yeah. one. And, Ro um, you know, Robotech. Oh, Aramax. That's right, Gary. Good. Robotech. Um, oh, you got your man. This wasn't really disaster. Remember the movie The Wraith with yes. Charlie Sheen? Yeah. Yeah. And he, that was he drove that, that weird Chrysler uh, prototype car and, and he couldn't yeah. die. He and the car were a ghost. Well, I mean, Knight Rider. Fucking movie. <laughs> so you got bad. Knight Rider that came out. No, it's not that it was a mess. I'm by mess. I mean that all of this crap is fucking garbage. I mean, I could open this and nothing but medium would fall out, and all the pigment is stuck at the bottom. You could probably even see. So, are you see. saying their paint containers don't store well? That's what I'm saying, Jason. <laughs> These fucking paint pots. I finally. It's taken me this long to come to the conclusion. This is the worst fucking invention in the hobby. Oh my god. So anyway, now I got to decide uh, if I want to try to revive them or which. Would, but Night Rider, I mean, Knight Rider. between uh, Blue Thunder, Night Rider, and uh, the Wraith, we used to yeah. make some really interesting car wars. Uh, car wars, yeah, car was, wars. We played tons always. of car wars, and then of course the classic, you know. Um, Mad Max came out. Oh yeah, uh, you know obviously. once once I saw Mad Max, we were taking Hot Wheels. Um, <laughs> so did we. We were taking Hot Wheels and we were just gluing shit onto Same. it. You Airwolf, know, it was so yes. much fun. I bet you, yeah, Airwolf and Blue Thunder. I bet you that I still probably have. This is at the I, heart of the '80s culture, right there. 
in my company's it, creating planned obsolete products, including me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Including me. There you go. <laughs> I mean, even even oh, okay. I'm, fuck, fuck the pain thing. I'm I'm, I'm over that. Um, <laughs> yeah, Car Wars was awesome. Wait, see, I lost my train of thought. What were we saying? Um, what did you say uh, right after that? Airwolf? Oh, about gluing shit to hot. Oh wheels. yeah, gluing shit onto the Hot Wheels cars. I yeah. I did that. I mean, I, I I bet that in my junk mini boxes of all my old pewter back from the fucking 80s, there's probably yeah. still a couple of Hot Wheels in there with some little armor plates and guns glued to them and shit. Car Wars was fucking awesome. Well, I don't want to play all this old stuff again. When when we would go garage sailing, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, there'd be a giant cardboard box filled with their kids' former Hot Wheels. Because oh, yeah. back then, I didn't understand collection values. Like, I didn't know what collections were. It didn't None make of any us sense. did. None of us you know, did. You know, there were, well, there were people that were collecting stuff from the 40s and the 50s. But I wasn't Yeah, okay, comic books and baseball cards. Yeah, like, I wasn't really exposed to same. what it meant to be a collector. Um, but then there'd be another giant cardboard box where this old retired veteran would ha- throw all of his spare uh, plastic um, model parts. So yeah. all of his parts from his yeah. planes, his battleships, and yeah. all that would just wind up. And, you know, he'd sell them all to me for like a buck. Yeah. And then I'd buy like a dozen, two, three dozen Hot Wheels cars for like five bucks. And I'd just go home and, and just take some really, really, really toxic JB Weld glue and just start I still have- you know, putting shit on there. And, I still and those would have be our shit. cars. I still have shit. I mean, look at this. I got fucking war, old, old original Warhammer, and then something newer. I've got a fucking engine block from. Yeah, something. but we've all come to the conclusion that you're a hoarder. So I don't I know am. if you're really a collector. I am. I have the bottom jaw of of a Venom sculpt <laughs> that I no longer know where it is. I mean, I have the. Lower air dam of a Ferrari two forty six. I mean, it's but like, all those spare parts. What we didn't know then is what a lot of people use them for now. They do kit bashes, right? They take the kit bash all their spares that they have like, and build these really cool fucking models. That's why I keep um, them. It used to drive my fuck my parents fucking crazy. Like you're literally saving a box of garbage, <laughs> and I'm like, no, this is gold. All right, funny story. When I was really young, second grade. I put glue on my younger brother's forehead while he was sleeping. He woke up a few hours later. Told him he was an adopted little. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Oh, the spelling. Yeah, the spelling. One's a three-letter <laughs> word. The other one's a word. <laughs> I, mean, I oh guess my. if you came and looked at my library, you know, it, it, which is only a snapshot of about 35, 40 years of gaming culture. Mm. Um, Because I think, you know, like one of the things that really defined us was the arcade. Like to me, the arcade was the definition of 80s culture. Absolutely. Uh, Which then... That was was the discussion we had today on Slack. Yeah. 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 And I can remember the first time I went to an arcade. It was late 80s. Um... And the console, the pre-console wars were starting to take off, right? In the late 80s. You had Atari, um, you had ColecoVision and Television. Uh, Did you own own Pong? Yeah, I owned Pong. And that was, but that was like, 
I kind of remember having that when I was seven or eight at the late 70s. Yeah, but I'm just saying that was yeah. the first home yeah. console video game was Pong. I think that was invented by MIT, wasn't it? I don't know, Gary. I think it was an, I think I think it was I think they developed it as an MIT game theory engine. Okay. That they would use in their MIT laboratories and then someone got the bright idea of turning it into a gaming thing where, you know, you could sell it as an actual gaming thing. Did Nolan Bushnell um, go to MIT? Did he have anything to do with that? Possibly? Don't know. The 2600, I, I consider the 2600 as the first no, I consider the twenty four hundred the first game, the first console. That oh, wait, was before was that? the paddle. The, the twenty six hundred came with the paddle and a couple of. Oh, I'm the sorry, other you're right. Upgrades. No, no, twenty four hundred was the yeah. original one. Yeah. Um, you can get like you can find an our uh, an Atari twenty four hundred with like a thousand games and every fucking controller ever made for like yeah for like one hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the I thing, think the the twenty four hundred uh, that really, I mean, that was the start of it. And and do you remember like the first few games were Atari brand games, and they were, I mean, they were, I mean, obviously for the time they were great, but they they very quickly became boring. And then do you remember when Activision started and came out with Pit, Oh yeah, well Pitfall that was, and River yeah, Raiders. So there were two very transitory events that happened that really shaped my relationship with arcades. One, um, our uh, consoles became more affordable because of the competition factor, so people were buying them. I got something to show you. Keep talking. Um, and two, arcade game, uh, like arcades were trying to compete with the console revolution. Yeah. So our local arcade, when I lived in Long Beach, came up with the bright idea that, you know, if you come in between the hours of you know, six o'clock and nine o'clock, you can play all the games you want for like 20 bucks. And that to me was revolutionary. I just knew like every Thursday night I could go to the local arcade, pay $20 and then yep. be in the arcade for three hours. And oh, just shit, I thought play somewhere, all night long. Somewhere I have Activision club patches for Pitfall and River Raid. Here's a 1984 Olympic patch. Oh, that's funny. Authentic. You you are a hoarder. There's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> I don't have any of that goofy. I shit. used to be even a lot fucking worse. <laughs> when I had my parents' basement to fucking fill up and it didn't matter. But yeah, I remember playing Joust for an hour. Or I'd play Oh Joust was Hubert awesome. for an hour or Missile Command for an hour or yeah. Tempest and you know well and the the first games that came out on the twenty four hundred um yeah yar's revenge holy shit that was that's just that's a really good reference because yar's <laughs> revenge um um uh was a complete knockoff of galaga yeah that yep. was you know it started the knockoff wars and yeah. then so you know it wasn't called uh you know uh, there was one um there was dig dub but then there dig was dug. A, a dig dug knockoff that you yep. could play Yep. Um, there was centipede, but then right next to it was millipede. Yep. You know, and it was just the knockoff <laughs> war started, the console war started, and then Activision really was the shoehorn. Like they were the ones yeah. Yeah. that really figured out that, that the console was nothing more than the operating platform. The real trick was putting what you could into the game based on the availability of the platform. 
and they realized the people making those platforms weren't game makers. They, yeah. they weren't. They were really good at making these platforms, but they were horrible at making games because Activision would swoop in, yeah, and they released Pitfall and Frogger, which made all of the games. Oh my god, Atari was Frogger, looking look like I mean, shit. Yeah. You know, they were they the first color were, and animation and cutscenes. Yeah. They were the first like game scenes. studio, specific game yeah. studio. Yeah, and they introduced cutscenes and stuff yep. like that. You know, for the first yep. time. Which <laughs> so <laughs> the end of the '80s culture, I felt was to me the the wrap up of it was I graduated from high school in '89. Today, right. And the last real mind-blowing movie I saw in 89 was The Nightmare Before Christmas. And I felt like everything that the 80s was was wrapped up into that movie. You know, Nightmare there was... Before... Wait, Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas? Yeah. You... The Tim Burton one? Yeah, that because that came out in 93. So when I graduated high school okay. in 89... I thought it was later than that. No, it came, look it up. We were just watching it last night. It came out in 1993. And to me, when I watched that movie, I left the 80s behind me. Because that movie just ha had so much like new ideas for me yeah. about things that were to come. You know, I had, you know, when I graduated high school, I bought my first mainstream Commodore Amiga 2000. Um, I wasn't you know, doing TRS eighties anymore. Um, yeah. Now it's accessories, DLC, yeah. micro gotcha. Um, but it, it's interesting that to me, I enjoyed watching the nineties culture too. I enjoyed the nineties culture. I had a lot of fun with it. I see to me, I didn't, uh, I didn't dig the nineties culture very much in any way, to be honest, the music. I mean, I'm not saying I hated it, but it is definitely not one of my favorite best music ever. Uh, wrong. Oh, no, nope, nope, <laughs> no. 80s music used to make my teeth fall out. It was so bad. Well, 80s no. music was horrible. No, terrible. Wrong. Worst no. music oh ever, ever, ever. Are you serious? The only good 80s music that ever came out was punk. That's it. Okay. There was no other good 80s music. <laughs> I got nothing to say to you anymore. Thank you so for joining us takes. for our last that's episode of Lawfully Chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it takes to get you pissed off is to tell the truth. That's, that's awesome. 90s music better than 80s? Well, no. technically late 90s, early 2000 music was definitely the best. Um, oh. 80s music had a good punk scene, had an excellent punk scene. See, now, if um, anything, I would have said, at least said that early 90s grunge music was okay. Late 90s is probably the worst era for music ever. No, you got all that alternative rock that came out in the late 90s. That was early 90s. No, man. Early 90s was still transitional 80s kind of pump, uh, uh, what do they call it, bubblegum uh, bubblegum music, like New Wave. New Wave was still mm. kind of like what we were talking about earlier, all that synth shit. Yeah. You know, um, you know I always think of like Flock of Seagulls mm -hmm. as the kind of quintessential typical 80s vibe. Sure. You know, uh, you know, uh, minute work. Um, but when I talk about the like transitory punk, I'm thinking of like, you know, David Bowie, but David Bowie was popular in the 70s 
and the 80s, you know, but the 80s was just a better entertainment medium for Bowie. Um, they've been interviewing Talking Heads um, air supply. Uh, a lot today. That's a air supply is 80s. Is Talking it? Heads is 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it, it, I, I don't know. Man. I, I think they were all starter bands in the late 80s and they became mainstream in the early 90s. And I think once again, it's that it, it, it's difficult. Are you part of the garage band culture? Is, mm-hmm. do you, like 80s was a great garage band culture for sure. Like the, the 80s had like you could go into a neighborhood and there's a punk group playing in their driveway surrounded by a mosh pit of people just going ape shit and having a good old time, um, which is kind of how Offspring got start. You know, the Offspring got their start as a garage. In California, band. that shit didn't happen in the Midwest. Yeah, well, it's because you don't, you you know, you guys no don't have real out. weather. You have that awful shit that falls out of the sky and freezes. We don't have real day. weather or real culture. <laughs> well, yeah, you have an amazing cheese culture. Great. Not even us. That's Wisconsin. Um, can we at least agree that fashion? Yes. Is oh my God. We used to do this all the time or see it happen all the time. Wait, 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 wait. Um, what is that? You oh my. So oh you'd God, have these yeah. kids walk in the neighborhood jamming. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Green Day was the 90s, I believe. It was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have hot, we we have hot dogs. <laughs> um, can we at least agree that fashion in the 90s was just ungodly? I mean, I think the 90s were far more interesting in fashion than the 80s. The 80s fashion was horrible. It was like everybody was colorblind, and they were convinced that wearing clothes twice your size somehow the made 90s you look fashionable. Was just blo- okay, now we're getting off topic here. <laughs> no, we're not, because all these things influenced our... So all all of the 80s, like all the 80s cultures and the comparable culture topics... Mm-hmm. They defined who we hung out with. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and and who we hung out with is who we gamed with. Yeah. You know, nowadays that's not always true. Right. You know, you tend to game with people who just enjoy, enjoy gaming. But we have hot dogs. Oh, who, Green Day? Yeah, the popularity in the 90s. You're right. Yeah. But, I mean, once again, like, I'm still shocked at looking at all my 80s culture heroes and they're all 20 years older than me. Yeah. And I'm like, I, when I got, when, when I felt, yeah, like Beastie Boys is a good example, right? Well, I, yeah, I that, fell in love that, with their that'll music. That'll never go out of style. I, I fell in love with their music, but for some reason, my brain said that the reason why I fell in love with their music was because they were my age. But they mm-hmm. weren't. When the Beastie yeah. Boys came out, they were like in their mid to late twenties. Yeah, they were just out of so college. I think they were I just am, out of NYU know. and couldn't get jobs. And they were like, "Well, fuck it." Yeah, like shit. so. Here I am at fifty-two years old, looking at a sixty-five-year-old lead singer from the Beastie Boys, going, "Wait a minute! I thought they were my age. This is fucked it's up." It's the same thing with Kiss. <laughs> See, when a bunch yeah. of Jewish guys, when a bunch of lazy Jewish guys don't have anything else to do, they're like, oh, "Fuck it, let's form a band." Form a band. <laughs> You got Kiss and you got Beastie Boys. <laughs> you know, and so I, you know, and then, I mean, I remember the heartthrob, you know, <laughs> I mean, Duran Duran was like the, oh God, one of the yeah. you know, Depeche Simon, Mode, Duran Duran. Simon the Bond. You know, there, there was a, there was a core group of bands that were super mainstream in the eighties yeah. that kind of yeah. 
helped define a lot of that 80s. Yeah, The cult. Cure, Depeche Mode, Duran But Duran. I think because we were gamer nerds, like we we're like gamer nerds were not okay to be in the 80s. Like you were a jock or you were, you know, you were a specific, you were a soch, you were this specific type of niche that you were expected to be a part of, which, you know, clicks, right? We called them clicks yeah. back then. Well, yeah, um, nowadays, nerd has a very different meaning than it did back well, then. Well, nerds and geeks argue who's more nerdier and who's more geekier. Like, you know, a nerd doesn't want to be called a geek, and a geek doesn't want to be called a nerd. That's how weird it's gotten. Was he back then, they all meant the same thing. Correct. Nerds, geeks, dorks, but, dweebs, spaz. But I'm wondering <laughs> if, if because we were already kind of in a... Um, yeah, the term "soch" was derived from the Outsiders book and the and the movie, um, and that became a very popular. You know, the greasers and the soches. Mm-hmm. You know, us versus them culture yeah. was kind of you know spontaneous in the eighties at that point. Um, there, <laughs> but but one of the things I loved about the eighties culture, I think the most, like what I really loved the most about the eighties culture, is that because we were already gamer nerds. We were already looking for shit that other people wouldn't be looking for. You know what I mean? Like everybody else was eating <laughs> at McDonald's, you know, watching Price is Right. Yeah. Going to the movie, seeing that mainstream movie, going to the mall, like having those mainstream life events. Mm-hmm. I remember specifically not embracing any of that as my culture. I was always looking for garages to hang out with, kit bashing, gaming ideas, um, you know, uh, trying to find computer clubs that were kit bashing uh, Commodore 64s before they became outdated and, Mm -hmm. you know, mucking about with TRS 80s and, you know, take, you know, taking over um, arcades and, 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 and finding like an arcade that only had like 10 games. But they were the 10 games that were super cheap for the guy to rent or buy. Mm-hmm. So no one had ever heard of them. Yeah. You know, so they were playing games, arcade games. That people were like, oh, I don't like there was Star Force and Major Havoc. And, um, you know, there were all these weird games that no one was buying. Never but heard we'd of them. actively go and look for those games because we yeah. knew, you know, we, you know, and I think I think um, the last thing I remember like the beginning of the eighties culture. Cause I mean, look, I graduated high school when I was in 89, I was 18 in 89, which means I was nine in 1980. Mm-hmm. Right. So the beginning Same. and the end of a, of a cultural period, mm-hmm. I remember e-tickets for Disneyland because I lived so close to Anaheim. Disneyland was a major part of my life. Right. You know, and I remember e-tickets and it's like watching Disneyland age over 40 years around me, mm-hmm. it, I didn't realize how much my 80s culture was defining me at that time. Like, mm. I was all in for consumerism without realizing that's what it was. You know what I mean? It was like, I was so tired of being poor because my mom was very poor and I was mm-hmm. tired of it. Yeah. So when I finally started living with my dad, um, he had more money. So for the first time in my life, I was exposed to all the consumerism of the 80s that began to define it for us, mm-hmm. you know. But now in my 50s, I'm 52. Like I could say I'm in my 50s. Mm-hmm. I have fallen out of love with stuff. <laughs> I've fallen out of love with stuff. 
says the guy sitting in front of all of that schmutz behind him. Yeah, but this this is really it. And it no, oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no I know, but it's yeah. a good point because to me, all of this gets used in all my games. The yeah. days that I yeah. would just buy something for the sake of setting it somewhere, knowing that it existed gave me joy. Those days are gone. I'm See, much more utilitarian now. Unfortunately, I am still in in that mode. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever get out of that mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's it's a collection thing, you know. Is it? It's just like, yeah. I mean, like, I like oh. to do retro collections for the purposes of getting my hands off on lore and content that's not digitized. Like, there's a lot of '80s and '90s uh, uh, TTRPG stuff and RPG stuff that's not digitized. Uh -huh. That's been lost to time. Um, so I do spend a lot of time trying to collect as much of that retro history as I can, because that I do enjoy collecting. Yeah, but that's life. a different, but that's a different sort of collecting. That's true collecting. Like I want this because it doesn't exist anywhere else. And it means something a lot of the, sh and I, and I do a lot of that too, but I also do a lot of the shit of like, uh, you know, I'll start collecting, uh, you know, X, and well, I think a know, really good then they go up on the wall and I look at them and I, as I come up to my office and it gives me a few seconds of joy. And then it's like out of my fucking mind for right. Right. Yeah. Kind of like your, your giant stack of zombicide that, you know, <laughs> Well, I mean, that's playable as a game. I just don't have anybody to fucking play it with me um, because my wife and son hate board games. <laughs> well, you know, it took me a while. But to yes. Find... Yeah. It took me a while to find and, and be with my muse. I mean, luckily yeah. she's as nerdy as I am when it comes to gaming. So, yeah. you know, she's always wanting to play board games and well, play I'm, D &D I'm hoping that, and I'm hoping my son eventually gets it. He's played D&D &D a couple times and he's liked it. Um, but he's still too much into uh, Minecraft and Roblox. Yeah. And what's ironic about that is like the king of 8-bit and 16-bit gaming was the 80s. Everything in the early 80s was all 8-bit and 16-bit. Right. And now you've got <laughs> now you've got ultimate ray tracing and graphics. Oh, my God. And they're so, playing fucking 8-bit uh, fucking Minecraft. I don't know if they're still open. I'd have to go check. But uh, down in Temecula, the, the, one of the bigger cities near me, they're in the old town Temecula. They opened up a brew pub called 8-bit. Uh -huh. Oh, and, man. And basically all the beers were named after 80s arcade games. Okay. Um, Do they have arcade games? And they had 8-bit and 16-bit arcade games in That's there awesome. as well. Okay, when I visit you, we're going there. I hope it's still open because a lot of these places were open <clears throat> about a year and then COVID hit. There's a place out here. I think I'm pretty certain it's still open. We were just talking about it yesterday, the arcade. It's called Galloping Ghost, and it's out by us. And the guy's got a pretty decent collection of old arcade games, and he just they charge by the hour. It's like you can play all the games are just set to you know push start and you just pay by time, which well, is makes pretty, sense. Pretty brilliant, actually. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh my god. Okay, real quick. Okay. Um, favorite uh, favorite '80s role playing game. Favorite '80s role playing game. Favorite '80s role playing game, not including D and D. I would have to say it's a toss up between Gangbusters and Star Frontiers for me. Gangbusters because okay. I really have. A, I, even as a kid, I was a huge history buff. Um, 
uh, <clears throat> and gangbusters was really a, a window into 1920s gangland kind of theme. Mm-hmm. But I was such a Star Trek and Star Wars maniac. I really enjoyed Star Frontiers because TSR Studios put out Star Frontiers. So I was familiar with the writing style, but it was nothing like D&D. They introduced a whole new concept of playing a game so okay. i'd have to say star frontiers was probably okay. my favorite non dnd 80s game that i played all right for me it's Shadowrun, which we all know yeah uh favorite 80s tabletop war game oof i would honestly have to say it would be um a game that somebody did on their own at a local game shop where they taught me how to play tabletop World War II games. Okay. So I came in to buy Ralph Partha figures and somebody was playing this uh, World War II game on these three tables. And I'm like, what is this? He's like, well, come over and I'll show you. Couldn't tell you his name. Couldn't tell you what game we were playing. But that was my remember. very first experience at a tabletop war game. My okay. very first experience. Okay. Mine is Battletech because we spent, you know, our group, we spent so See, much time I, playing that. To this that. day, I still don't consider Battletech a tabletop war game. I've never been able to think of it that way. It, it To me, it's somewhere in between the two. I don't know why, but I used to play Battletech all the time. It just never felt like a tabletop war game to me. Okay. We may have slightly different definitions of, of tabletop war game. I consider it a tabletop war game. So for me, it was Battletech. Um, <clears throat> favorite 1980s board game. <clears throat> Ooh, that's a good one. What's a good 1980s board game? I Probably Payday. Payday. Um, either Payday or Life. Although Clue, nah, it's got to be Clue because Clue was what you had to be at least you had to pay attention to that game. Yeah, and I... it's, it's not a board game vibe, but it had a little bit of that kind of. Uh-huh. You know, uh, RPG-esque kind of vibe, yeah. which is what attracted me to it. So I'd have to say Clue. I don't I honestly don't know if I can answer that. Clue was a good one. I actually liked Monopoly. Life was good. I don't know that I that I can think of an 80s board game. Oh, no, I take that back. Stratego. Yeah, that was a fun I one. I like Stratego. And that was a fun board game because you never needed more than one other person to play. So two right. people could play that right. all night long. Risk. Right. I Would Risk be an 80s oh, board ri- game? Yeah, Risk. I, yeah. yeah, Risk. Actually, you know risk. what? I take it back. Risk. Yeah, I, I think Risk. I think yeah. Risk. It's a toss-up for me between Risk and Was that Axis and Allies didn't come out in the 80s, did it? I, I think it might have. Um I mean, uh, if 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 it did, then it was definitely Access and Allies. Uh, eighty-one, yeah, Access and oh, Allies. Eighty-one, yeah. okay, eighty-one. Well, all right, then I take it back. Second time, Access and Allies by yeah, because the original Access and Allies came out in eighty-one and was a Nova game design, so it wasn't mainstream yet. It okay. became mainstream in '84 when Milton Bradley bought it. Right. Okay. And that's um, what. And that's what I remember playing that game was in the mid '80s. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, for me, Axis and Allies for sure. Uh, favorite '80s arcade game. Ar- arcade, oh. not console. Arcade. Right. Arcade game. Joust. Mine I love was that the game. Sit- Mine was the sit-down uh, vector graphic X-wing. I love Star Wars. I didn't love it enough to play that horrible game. 
Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. Um, yeah, did anyone ever finish a game of Risk or did you just flip the board over? <laughs> <laughs> Gary, I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> um, favorite 80s console game? Ooh. In television? Is- well, favorite... 80s not, not platform not okay not, not platform game it could uh, game, be on any i, I loved excite bike i love playing excite bike that was so mine much fun. is a toss-up between oh wait a minute actually no it's not a toss-up castlevania i i couldn't get through the Lake actually Clippers. you know it is a toss-up it's between castlevania and metroid and Metroid's and God- another one. I I couldn't stare at the light flickers for that long. Yeah, like the the flickering transitional screens. It was like, oh, this is killing yeah. me. It's those. It's a it's a toss up between those two. I I might have to. I I enjoyed playing Metroid more. It was a deeper story, but the the genre of Castlevania appealed to me more. Although Ghosts and Goblins was a very close. Second, third. Ah, see, <laughs> did we ever? <laughs> we stayed up one night. We forced Gary to play Ghosts and Goblins, and we stayed up till five o'clock in the fucking morning watching him win that game. He's like, "Anybody else would play?" Like, no, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> what was it your was... favorite? What was your favorite nineteen eighties console platform that came out at the time? Because it, there's three of them that I remember playing as a kid before the Sega Genesis came out. Um, and I'm not even sure if the Sega Genesis was 80s or 90s. Now that I think about, it. but I'm not positive. I, I played on Atari platform. I played on Intellivision, and I I think I'd have to say ColecoVision was my. I never I never owned a ColecoVision or an Intellivision, but I played them. I hated the Intellivision. I couldn't stand those controllers. That that disc. Oh yeah, well that's because they had too many fail points. Yeah. Um, um was uh. Was the first PlayStation that was '90s, right? I'm pretty sure that was '90s. Um, hold on, I'm pulling up the list right now. Because so F-Zero. Sega SG1000 came out in 1983. Um, then there was Nintendo Game Boy in '89. Yeah, PlayStation One was '94. There was the Atari 7800 that came out in 86. Which and that was, was a, always so was fascinating. Um, that was always so fascinating about the Atari platform. As soon as Activision got popular, suddenly the platforms got better and better and better and better yeah. because Atari wasn't making games anymore. They were letting right. other people make games. Right. Uh, uh, oh, my yeah. God. Do you remember Turbo Graphics? Yes. You remember Turbo yes, Graphics? I do. Uh, there was the Sega Master System in 85. I remember that. Sega um, Genesis was 88. I That was my last wow. console I bought before I switched to PCs and started getting heavy into the uh, computer uh, gaming spectrum. So, yeah, the 16-bit Sega Genesis, I guess 1988. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of – see, my buddy always had the consoles – I didn't have a lot of consoles in the 80s. It was the so, number I, one gaming platform was the Nintendo NES 1983. The very first time it came out was that, 1983. That might be mine too. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's I, when we got introduced to Metroid and Legend of Zelda. Yep. Um, and that Legend of Zelda broke all of the records. Oh, it yeah. Broke everything. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Broke so, it all. Yeah. Okay. So we agree on that one. Uh, favorite 80s computer game? Oh, uh, I used to play it for hours and hours. Um, the very first, oh, did it come out in the 80s? There were two. There was the crown and it was called the crown and something, which I really liked. But I'm trying to remember if Sid Meier's very first Civil War game was my first introduction to... Civilization? No, no, no. It wasn't Civ. It was actually a Civil War game. Um, Sid Sid Meier's... I think mine was probably uh, Car Wars. There was an early version of Car Wars um, that I liked. Um. Sid Meier's, uh, where is it? Sid Meier's uh, Gettysburg ah, okay. uh, came out. Um, no, that one came out in 97. So there was another game came out called The Crown and Something. And, and it's killing me. It came out on Amiga. came out on the Commodore Amiga. Um, so the first Car Wars game came out in 81. For the T199 slash Zork. That was the other one. I Zork. fell in love with Zork. Yeah, yeah. I used to play that for hours. Uh, Bard's Tale. There was Ooh, Bard's, Bard's Tale. Bard's Tale was good. Yeah, um, that's right. Uh, I remember, um, let's see, what was the other one? I got my, my main list up here I want to look at because I, I'm sure it's in here. Oh, good Lord. The next one's going to be really tough, so it's going to be top three. Yeah, there's Bard's Tale, Castle Wolfenstein. Oh, Wolfenstein was uh, good. The very first flight simulator, 1.0, that came out. That was a lot of fun. Um, And then there was... Where is it? Um, Wolfenstein was good. Oh, yeah. It was SimCity. Yeah, I, I never got playing, in. I never got into. Sim I remember City. playing way too much SimCity when yeah. it came out. Oh, the other one that was good, Populous. I remember. Yeah, I didn't Populous. get into that either. Um, then there was Dungeon Master. And where's that last one that I really, really enjoyed playing? And then there was uh, 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 the Leisure Suit Larry series. That was oh, a lot yeah, of fun yeah. to play. Yeah. Leisure Suit Those Larry. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. It was my first intro to like adult style gaming first intro to sleaze (laughs) yeah yeah it kind of was hey i kind of like this yeah okay favorite and it doesn't have to be in order okay but three of your favorite 80s movies (sighs) i think we're gonna differ a lot here i know no matter well did star wars come out in the 80s it did right early 80s Uh, well empire did empire Empire strikes back was 84 or 83, I think 84. Because... No, like, 83, 83. Because Star Wars was what, 77, 78? 77, 83, and then 89. So you got... So I, I definitely have Empire. to say Empire Strikes Back is on my list. Yes. For sure. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep, Raiders of the Lost Ark is on my list. I'm trying to think... Because I, I didn't have a lot of money in the early 80s. It wasn't until the mid-80s, late-80s, I started going to the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm trying to think back in the 80s, what f- freaking movies were we going and go see? I know. I'm trying. I, I want to say Lost Boys, but I'm kind of feeling... Oh, was Goonies 80s? 
Yes. Probably Goonies, Goonies would be eighth. third. Yeah. Yeah. Goonies or, would definitely well, be third for me. Back to the Future. See, this is too tough, man. Yeah, well, but the problem, um, the problem I had with Back to the Future was it wasn't, it just wasn't a genre I enjoyed. Yeah. Like modern sci-fi with time travel was very much its own genre. Yeah. Um, but Goonies was a huge storytelling genre for me. Yes. Uh, Empire Strikes Back was just the continuation the thing of the I sci-fi loved, world. The thing I loved about Goonies is that it felt it had a very Dungeons and Dragons party campaign. So did feel. Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, Raiders yes. of the Lost Ark to yeah. me was quintessential D and D. You know, and Empire Strikes Back was an orchestra. You know, it was an opera. Um, it, somebody was finally telling the story that we wanted. Wait, Flash. Oh, flat. Okay. I thought you were actually remember Flash Gordon, although I think that was 70s. I think that was 70s. No, I think that was early 80s. That might be was early it? 80s. Luckily, we have this cool thing called Google that tells us this shit. Oh, 1980. You're right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was a 1980 film. I yeah. think that began that entertainment drama of camp. Yeah. And yeah. forced media entertainment because. There were so many cameos in that movie. Yeah. You know, and it just was forced on yeah. you. And it was such an awful movie that later on you began to realize just how entertaining it was, even though it was awful. Yeah. You know? I, the yeah. Hawkman, the Hawkman were terrible. Oh, my God. I mean, the, well, worst yeah, the movie is horrendous. Like, they, they, were, they were Eric Cochran's. Yeah. They were the most <laughs> worst Im improvisational yeah. Eric Cochran's. You could literally see the wires. I know. When they would do those dives and the, the, the Hawkman leader go, Hawkman, die! And it was like he was taking a <laughs> shit, and like it was horrible. But you can't gotta watch it, that again, right? You can't help but again. stare at it. And, and Timothy awe. Dalton, Timothy Dalton was in that. Yeah, I think yeah. he was probably in relation to now. I think he was probably the biggest name in that. Um, well, I mean, James not at the Bond, time, but you know, but, the James yeah. Bond series really helped him with that as well. Oh, god, know? he so, was the worst James Bond, wasn't he, though? In but, history, but I, I don't know about history. I think I he mean, was the absolute worst James Bond, period. But that's another topic. So, yeah, I think I'd have to say, <laughs> I think I'd have to say Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Goonies for me. And I think that all sums up the 80s culture experience, which was the constant consuming of media. Like yeah. I felt like the eighties generation was the first generation that really consumed a lot of media in different formats on a regular basis. Well, we didn't have, so we didn't really have good cell phones yet. Those, those arrived in the late eighties. No, no, no. uh, we had the shoebox phone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But obviously it's, we didn't have smartphones, but the, but we had, you know, we, we had carried around little portable LCD games Pagers. we could play. We had first-generation consoles. Yeah. Um, but we had VCRs. So to your point, we had v VCRs and home it, consoles. So yeah. the movie theater and the arcade came into our homes. Yeah. So and and that we, was stopped, the, we stopped just, going and, to the arcade by the yeah. end of the 80s and early yeah. 90s. And that's why, as kids, all we heard for that whole decade was, you're going to rot your brain in front of the TV. Yeah, <laughs> whether it's playing a game or watching. I never it. heard that because my parents were at home. TV was my third parent. Oh well, okay. so well, then, I never yeah, had to worry too. about that. Yeah. Like they would leave and go, "Don't forget your favorite channel." I'm like, "Oh, okay." And I'd go, <laughs> "Wait, sit which one?" My of the nine five? year old ass in front of the TV, you know, <laughs> and, and watch my shows. 
And oh, so uh, I got a response from your uh, contact over at Daggerheart. Um, oh, and yeah. And I filled say? out the survey to hopefully get the test gaming queue. Nice. But the fact that it came directly from him was kind of nice because it at least let me know that, you know, I was, you know, in the thought process of yep. all the game testing. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I was, you know, I filled it out. So we'll see. I'm also on the Darrington Press Discord. So they were announcing okay. it there as well, obviously. Unfortunately, but. that board game that I was working on for them, yeah. uh, it didn't test well enough to move ahead. They were pretty deep into production and killed it unfortunately yeah i thought it was a really cute clever idea and, and matt and marisha came up with that idea at their wedding i i think it's a lot safer to say to make an eighty thousand dollar flop than a 12 million dollar flop oh well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah you gotta right. have you know that you know i know we're gonna be off next thursday but i feel like um, our last show, which is going to be in two weeks for the year before we come back in 2024. Correct. But I feel like we could either cover Dark Tower because okay. I think that it helps us talk about 80s culture being rebooted okay. in, in a more modern culture. But I think we could also talk a little bit about game testing. And, and oh, because sure. I really think Dark Tower is a really good example of an old 80s game from Milton Bradley that went away. Came back in a Kickstarter format and was very well tested and well received. And all sorts of generations are playing it again in a very different way. And it's uh, it's considered a, a very good cooperative board game to play now. Like it's it's got it a is. lot of good and, reviews. And I'll tell you an interesting aspect of it is that you use an app on the phone to play. That is your yep. opponent. So not only does it reboot something from the 80s, but it literally pulls the 80s and now yeah, together. together. Yeah. Um, well, why don't we then talk about Restoration Games because they've done a lot of really cool shit. Like we'll that. Make so why don't we talk about rest, Restoration okay. Games, Dark Tower, and uh, game testing? That sounds like a good That will be on the 16th, and that will be our last if, show for 2023, if, if you can imagine 15th that. 15th or 16th? The 16th. 16th. Okay. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I apologize. Um, I... Uh, oh, yeah, next week. Um, yeah, I am not available next week. Um, so we will skip that. I hate to skip the second to the last show, but this this one can't be avoided, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a good way to round out the year. And then uh, we're going to take some time off for uh, some uh, brainstorming yep. and uh, come back in, like, the first week of uh, January. So, Or second week. I think we're thinking second week. Second? Sure. Yeah, I think we're talking about second week. Okay. Because um, we both have a lot of family vacation stuff going on. So, Okay. Second week of January. So we're going to find us you, Bri. That'll give us a good amount of time to kind of uh, up the game for season yep. three. Yep. Um, you can thank you all. Work. By the way, thank you all for watching uh, on VOD. Um, if you are, thank you guys in chat. Or if you're on Spotify, thank you for listening. On Spotify, thank you. You're right. Uh, thank you guys for joining us in chat. As always, um, very much appreciated having you on there. And um, you can find me at RPG and Co on the Instagrams. Uh, that's the best place to reach me. You can DM me there anytime. I love just chatting about shit. Um, and also check out uh, my website at playrpgandco.com 
for um, my artwork in the form mostly of apparel and stickers and swag and digital content. Some of it is mine. Quite a bit of it is Jason's, and it's really awesome. Um, so head over there and check it out. And, uh, yeah, that's it. What about you? Where can we find you? You can find me over at the Twitches. It's got all my abouts. Head on over to TTRPG Academy over at the Twitches. Uh, hit the about, and uh, you'll see all my socials there. Come join us in the Discord. Um, and we're having fun. Uh, yep. Loving trying this. To. Trying to. <laughs> uh, tell TPK. My, uh, tell a story. Play a game. And be kind, please. Good night, everybody. Good night, all. Thanks for joining. <laughs>